1: you've tuned into sci-fi fidelity the podcast that brings you monthly science fiction television discussions and interviews remember to follow den of geek on twitter and facebook at den of geek us and we are at sci-fi fidelity this is episode nine for September of 2016, and my name is Mike.
2: And I'm Dave, and in this edition of Sci-Fi Fidelity, we're going to be doing our fall genre TV preview of all the new and returning shows we're looking forward to, disinterested in,
1: or otherwise wondering about. (laughs) Exactly. Some of these are going to be obvious top on our list, and some of them are just be like, we'll give that one a pass, but... I'm sure the opinions will differ out there, Dave, as to which shows are worth watching. We're going to share our opinions, but, you know, feel free to disagree with us. We certainly have our favorites.
2: And I think one of the areas of disagreement may come as to what exactly makes a genre show. Oh, really? Because I, I think we'll disagree on, not, not you and I necessarily, but maybe some of the listeners
1: yeah, okay. That's true. And we also want to mention up front that we will also have our monthly interview, this time with a composer of the soundtrack for Z Nation on Sci-Fi. Really excited to talk to him. We've actually talked to a number of composers, and it's always a lot of fun. But other than that, our show is pretty much just going to be the Fall Genre TV preview, because normally we would talk about a couple shows that we're watching, and There isn't much going on to watch. In fact, you and I, Dave, have been going into the vault a little bit. What have you been dabbling with lately?
2: Well, really, because the only thing that's really on is Dark Matter. And the guy that reviews it
1: for Den of Geek,
2: I'm not sure he and I
1: are watching the same show. You just think that a 3.5 stars... Is not a good rating. It is a good rating. <laughs> okay. All right. Whatever you say. <laughs> all right. Well, What have I been watching, uh, aside from Dark Matter
2: and, and Joyce, which ended last week? You know I'm a huge Stargate SG-1 fan. About two years ago, I went through, for the first time, all 10 seasons, 220-some episodes. In the last two weeks, I've gotten into, finally, Stargate Universe, starring Robert Carlyle of Once Upon a Time fame and Dude, I am so immersed in this universe. I got three more episodes to go for season one, and then I'm going to knock out season two, and unfortunately,
1: that's all there is. So I'll probably move on to Stargate Atlantis after that. That goes way back. My my vault doesn't go quite that far back. I'm just catching up on shows like The Librarians and uh, Outlander, which you really turned me on to, and I'm surprised it took me that long to get it going. But also just... Finishing up Preacher and Mr. Robot and things that were on this summer that I just haven't had a chance to, to watch yet. So that's the kind of time that that happens is in August is when you catch up on and everything and, and into September, because most of the shows don't even start until late September, early October, as we'll see in the moment.
2: Oh no, You mentioned Preacher and and you and I were talking about this earlier in the day that our wives sometimes get involved with our TV watching and... My wife saw the Preacher pilot, loved the second episode. Oh, yeah, you got to record them all. So now my DVR is full of Preacher, <laughs> and she's not interested in watching it anymore. So I still haven't gone back to watch it, but I really do you know, want to see that
1: because it was really enjoyable, and he, and he was great. Yeah, and you've got to get it done before like the 20s of September, or even the teens, some of the shows we'll talk about, start. So yeah, not much time left to get caught up on things, but... You know what? We're going to have to be choosy because there's so much on TV these days, and and we're going to go through it. But before we get right into it here, Dave, and we don't, we don't have to do our little spoiler warning like we usually do for the different segments of the podcast, but I do want to take this opportunity to mention that we are finally on iTunes. We had to work out a lot of stuff with the powers that be at Den of Geek to get our podcast onto a place where it can be sent to iTunes. And we finally did that. It's something that you can subscribe to maybe more easily now. And also, if you think about it, you know, maybe pause the podcast for a little bit, go over there and give us an iTunes review just to get things started. Now that we've got eight episodes in the can.
2: Yeah. And one of the things I've learned since we've been podcasting these past four years is that everybody consumes their podcasts differently. I still plug my iPod into my laptop and download it via iTunes that way. Oh, really? <laughs> I, oh, yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> so I know for me, when I plug it in, it's only downloading the most recent episodes. So, you know, depending on how you guys have your download set up, you you might want to go back and download the whole eight-episode catalog, and this will be episode nine.
1: Yeah, there's some other composer interviews that are in there as bonus episodes. So I uh, definitely have a lot to go back and enjoy. So... So thankful that we now can maybe reach a larger audience.
2: Oh, yeah. Not to mention the Anne Heche, James Tupper interview.
1: Yeah, some of the more recent ones are some of our better ones. So, (laughs) But, yeah, it's true because we have the new season starting up. So we have a fresh start to shows that potentially could be showing up in this podcast. And when we started in January of 2016, we were having to go back a little bit. But now we can start fresh with this fall genre lineup.
2: Yeah. And why don't we... Just move right into it because we got a lot to cover here, Mike. Okay. All right. So let's start with Mondays. And right off the bat, we've got Supergirl, new network on the CW, where I think it's going to find a home that's better suited to it. And season two is going to premiere on October 10th. And, of course, other than the move to the CW, the addition of Superman to the cast is, I think, the big news. And it's something that was talked about virtually all of season one. Where's Superman? We hear about him. Why don't we
1: see him? And while we're talking about it, you said this is going to premiere in October. So you'll notice we're doing this by day of the week, not by premiere date. So this is going to be interesting because Supergirl starting us off here. We have to decide which shows are we going to watch on a particular night or which show is potentially going to rise to the top. And Supergirl has been one that both you and I have enjoyed. Yes. And
2: that may change depending on how. I handle the musical crossover with The Flash, and (laughs) I think really I'm probably better served to just not watch that episode, and I'm being honest
1: about it. Yeah, you're not just kidding around. You don't really think that that will serve the show very well, but they have a lot of musical talents on The Flash, that's for sure, but you never know. It might be fun. Yep. Now, one thing that I
2: didn't love, I wanted to like it, and, and that is, of course, Fox's Gotham, which is going to come back for season three, premiere September 19th. So that's just a couple of days after you're listening to this podcast. And for me, the first season was just so uneven. I saw the acting as just kind of over the top. And I know our buddy Wayne really feels like that's what the comic is all about that's the way the acting should be for this kind of a show and i understand i also understand that season two apparently
1: found its footing i just wasn't around to see it right and gotham is one that i didn't really get into either but because those are two superhero shows to start us off so far i'm i think i'm with supergirl especially since they're in competing time slots right
2: Now, one show that I just absolutely adore, it's one of my wife's favorite shows, and that's another Fox show, Lucifer. Yeah. Yeah, which season two is going to premiere September 19th, Fantasy Police Procedural, following the devil himself, played by Tom Ellis. The chemistry he has with Lar German just really burns up the screen more than fires in, you know, well, you know where. <laughs> uh, and it manages to combine a light touch with dark characters who don't go so dark that it becomes oppressive. Now, the big change for season two is despite the fact that Barbara Hershey's name was out there for the role of Lucifer's mother in season two, you know who they added. Oh,
1: yeah. Trisha Helfer. Trisha Helfer. Yeah. When I saw the announcement on Twitter that Trisha Helfer was going to be the devil's mother, I'm like, perfect casting.
2: <laughs> yeah. And of course, people are saying, well, how can she be his mother? She's the same age. Come on. Really?
1: <laughs> These are immortal beings here. Exactly. Well, that's an interesting pairing because that's going to be the Gotham Lucifer lead in where it's they're paired up. So that's interesting. I like that.
2: Yeah. Now, a new series that's going to premiere on TBS October 31st is People of Earth. And Mike, at the head of the podcast, I mentioned that I think my definition of genre is going to rub some people the wrong way, or maybe just they'll disagree with me, because this is a comedy about a support group of alien abductees. Anna Gosteyer of Saturday Night Live fame is the only name that I know, but when I hear the word comedy... I don't care about the alien abductee angle. It's not genre.
1: Yeah. So that's a debate that we might have is, is comedy still sci-fi? Does that qualify as a genre TV show or is it still in the comedy vein that just happens to have that bent to it? And yeah, I don't find those shows appealing at all, but I know they have found their audience. Right. And we're going to talk about a couple during the course
2: of this overview and I think I'm wrong because, you know, some of these shows that that are comedies are doing really well in the ratings. Now, People of Earth is going to produce 10 episodes, so yeah, we'll see how it goes. Now, the last show on Monday is another new series, and this is going to be on NBC. So, fingers crossed, Major Network, October
1: 3rd, Timeless. Yeah, we talked a little bit about this last month, and you say Major Network, fingers crossed, but... That sometimes, I feel, can be the kiss of death for a genre show. Well, that's kind of what I was getting at. And, and certainly Goran Vizniich,
2: as a time-traveling criminal who steals a time machine to alter history, we, of course,
1: know from our time with Extant. Right. So he has a little bit of genre cred now. <laughs> Maybe he can run with it.
2: Yeah. And he was an interesting figure because that was really my first experience with the actor. And it took me a little bit of time to really bond with him and his character. But by the end of the series, I I really did like him and and he did a really fine job. So in this, he wants to destroy the country. So then, of course, there's a team that's assembled to go back and stop him. And as you and I know, anytime you go back in history to change
1: things, you run a big risk. (laughs) Yeah, bad things will happen. But I'm going to give that one a try. I'm not optimistic about it. But, you know, it was written by Eric Kripke, the pilot was anyway, who is known for Supernatural and a show that you and I both loved, Revolution. So perhaps he can bring some of that flavor to this show as well. And of the various time travel offerings that are out there for the fall, this is one that's floating somewhat towards the top for me.
2: Right, because I, as you mentioned, Eric Kripke, Supernatural is in what its twelfth season, and you know, from all the the people I know that love the show, it's you know maybe not as good as it's always been, but it's still really strong. And then, of course, Revolution, I felt it was the network's fault that it got canceled. It certainly wasn't the weakness of the story arc.
1: That's right. So we'll say for Monday, my pick is probably Narrow Edge to Timeless. Other than that, maybe Supergirl and most of the other ones I'll take a pass on. I know you like Lucifer, but... Yeah, I'm going to go Lucifer, Timeless, Supergirl. All right. All right, so what do we got Tuesday, Mike? Tuesday is a big night, as people know, for uh, a couple shows that are returning. One of them is The Flash, which returns for season three on October 4th. Now, of course, they have a little bit of repair work to do (laughs) from season two, I think, and... The fact that Barry Allen went a little darker in season two, maybe that's something that will be a positive. That's the kind of thing you and I like, of course, but that musical episode we're not sure about. But now that all these timelines have been messed up and, and Barry's trying to repair the damage by going back in time to prevent his mother's murder, then that is maybe back on mission a little bit more compared to all the Zoom stuff that we had to deal with in season two.
2: Right, because that is one of the things I think that Barry learned, you go back in time, and obviously his his motives were understandable. He wanted to prevent his mother from dying, but obviously there are consequences there.
1: Yeah, uh, for his own future and the future of the Earth as well. Not just Earth, but maybe the other Earths as well. But another one that has kind of slipped under the radar in terms of genre offerings, for you and I anyway, is From Dusk Till Dawn, but it does have a following. It's on its third season on the El Ray channel, which is... Probably why it's slipped under the radar. But that has its premiere, well, it already did, September 6th. And this is, of course, a supernatural crime drama with horror elements and apparently critically enjoyed. Yeah.
2: And you mentioned the El Ray network. And you know, I have direct TV. And every time I channel through the remote, the El Ray network mocks me because it's there, but I don't have it. <laughs> and I have a lot on my
1: package but not not that particular one (laughs) but we do have of course fox and sci-fi which will round out our tuesday night we have scream queens season two is premiering on september 20th this is the one with ryan murphy from glee and american horror story also has emma roberts and jamie lee curtis got a lot of buzz around it in season one and let's see if it can carry it through into its sophomore season this show of course takes place at a fictitious college and. Kind of a lighthearted, comedic look at people who are involved in horror movies. Right. And, you know, you mentioned
2: before, you know, the whole idea of whether it's genre or not. Well, clearly this is not, but
1: that's okay. (laughs) One of the new offerings on Tuesday night for sci-fi is Channel Zero, which is, I guess, a mini episode. Right around this time of year, they always put out a six episode something or other that we've seen. Childhood's End was last year and the year before that it was that Uh, One I can't remember that was the spaceship that wasn't really in space. (laughs) Oh, right, right, right. (laughs) But so this must be what that is, Channel Zero, a six-episode self-contained horror anthology. And it's going to be followed up at 10 o'clock or maybe after that one's over because that's also uh, airing at 10. Aftermath, which we talked about last month, is the new series with Anne Heche and James Tupper. Definitely looking forward to this one. It's a family struggling to survive during an end-of-the-world scenario in which supernatural beings are springing forth. So kind of a mashup of genres there. Yeah, And, of course, in its new 10 o'clock time slot on ABC is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. with its Season 4 premiere on September 20th. And, of course, everyone's looking forward to the addition of Ghost Rider. And I think that's really going to change the flavor of the show. I, I am really interested to see how different it's going to be, not only because of the new time slot, but because of the Ghost Rider focus. Right. And hopefully you guys will follow me and Mike over to Golden Spiral Media for our The Sandbox podcast that covers Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Right. So on Tuesday nights, what do you got? I, I'm obviously checking out Aftermath, but Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a given.
2: Yeah, I think so. And and I'll I'll keep up with The Flash temporarily.
1: Uh, I still like them, but there's just so much on. That's true. And I do watch The Flash, but I'm always behind on it. I'm still not finished with season 2. So, I will pretty much always watch The Flash, I just probably won't stay current with it.
2: Yeah, so Shield, Aftermath, and Flash. Right. All right, so moving on from Tuesday, uh Wednesday, which obviously contains Arrow and, and for some reason I guess I thought Wednesday was a bit heavier, but it does have a lot. So obviously Arrow season five is going to premiere October 5th. And I was thinking about this the other day. Do you think it's fair to say that it was Arrow that really paved the way for the whole television comic superhero explosion?
1: Oh, definitely, especially with the DC world. But I think maybe even you could say Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Gotham took a page from that earlier hit in order to determine what kind of thing would appeal to the audience. Right. And
2: I know that on the internet these days, it's kind of popular to take shots at Arrow for the, the Olicity storyline, which obviously seems to be over, but I just think that the show has really done a good job of reinventing itself. You could argue the Damien Dark storyline went on a bit too long, but you know, in the end, I think as we head into season five, The question whether or not Oliver's getting out of the vigilante business now that he's the interim mayor of Star City is kind of a big deal.
1: Right. I mean, each season should have its own flavor. And I think that's one way to do it is to set up circumstances for your characters and for Arrow to have reached season five. I mean, that's a milestone. That's where you're established. And, of course, syndication and all that, of course. But really, you can't argue with success when it reaches season five. Right. And Arrow, they're not short seasons. No, not at all. Most of these genre fare that we're talking about have 13 episodes at most. And, of course, all the ones that are on the major networks are going to have in the 20s somewhere, 22 to 24. But, but yeah, that Arrow has been cranking them out every year, year after year.
2: Right. Now, speaking of cranking them out, the other returning show on Wednesday night is, of, of course, American Horror Story which prepares for its sixth season. And at the time you guys are getting this podcast, it will have already aired. And again, I think it's reasonable to refer to American horror story
1: as iconic at this juncture. Yeah. And it doesn't matter that, you know, Jessica Lang and others, you know, the people who have left the show, they've added new characters that are in that same vein with Lady Gaga, obviously. And the, Closed mouthed approach to this sixth season has been really good for speculation. I mean, I think there was some speculation about it being related to the mist and whether or not that actually ended up being true. I guess people who are listening to this podcast, they already know the answer to that. What is the theme for American Horror Story season six? We don't know, but you do.
2: Right. And other than the fact that children seem to be involved, which I know would turn Wayne off because he, he really doesn't. <laughs> and, I, you know, I get that his whole thing that, look, he's got four kids yeah. and he just doesn't like shows that put children at risk. And I get that. But the fact that the show has has I mean, it's it's gone to the edge and I feel like it's it's gone over the edge in terms of horror and gore. And while it's not necessarily a major network, ABC, CBS, NBC, obviously it's on FX, it still is really pushing the boundaries. And for me, it's pushed them a little too far. I'm I'm a little queasy.
1: Yeah, it definitely has pushed it for me. For the few seasons that I've seen of that, it was a little bit tough to take. But obviously it has its audience. And season six, just like we said with Arrow, you can't argue with that kind of success.
2: Right. And I like the fact that they, unlike virtually every other show, is not throwing a bunch of spoiler information out there.
1: Yeah, they held on to that for a while. And I'm, I was starting to think maybe the whole missed thing was a little bit of misdirect. So I am anxious to see how that ended up. Uh, like I said, the audience probably already knows that the answer to that. But we got a couple of new sh- series coming to Wednesdays. Yes, we do. One on the
2: CW, Frequency, which will premiere October 5th. And this is, of course, an update of the 2000 sci-fi thriller in which we find a daughter that can speak to her dead father via a ham radio, which, you know, on the surface in 2016 seems a little hokey. But I remember seeing the movie at the time and just really being drawn into the story and just really loving it. So we'll see. I mean, the whole idea of working across time to solve a decades-old murder is not without its problems. So, you know, we'll see. Anytime you remake a movie, you run a risk.
1: Yeah, and of course they have to do the obligatory gender change because in the original movie, Jim Caviezel played the daughter. <laughs> it's the son in that in the movie. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting because are they going to keep going with crimes? Like, after they solve the murder, is going to just be the murder for maybe season one? And then they're going to keep doing this across the decades crime solving as a procedural type thing. Yeah. Well, you got to get to season two first. <laughs> that's right. Does it have staying power is the question. Uh, and of course we all know what happened with minority Report, So that's the cautionary tale.
2: Okay. Now the last show on Wednesday is going to premiere on November 30th. So that's a, that's a ways away and it's called incorporated on the sci-fi network and reading the description of, I'm not really sure how this is genre other than the fact that it appears on sci-fi because it seems to be all about bringing down a super corporation. Of course, where have you and I heard that before? Uh,
1: Can you say sad tech? Yeah, it's very similar to that. It's very reminiscent of of the corporate Congress in continuum, but it does have some future tech in it. I believe Uh, the, the uh, previews seem to hint at that, but, it's interesting because there's been a lot of promotion around Incorporated, which is produced by Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. And that's a later premiere compared to, say, Aftermath, which is on the same network and hasn't gotten quite as much promotion. So I'm wondering if they're hyping this up for a specific reason or maybe it just has the Affleck-Damon machine behind it. I don't know. But I'll be giving it a try. Yeah, sure. Sure. Well, what is your, before we get to Thursday, what is your choice for Wednesday?
2: <laughs> well, I, I got to go Arrow. I, I'll probably look at Incorporated, definitely not American Horror Story, and likely not Frequency.
1: I'll give Frequency a couple episodes, and I'm definitely thinking Incorporated might make my list. So we'll see. I'm always up for sci fi. Sci fi has been very kind to me, and, and I've enjoyed a lot of their shows lately. But yeah, on Thursday, we got, it's like they're spreading out. The superhero shows a little bit. Which is smart. Yeah, very much so. And on Thursday, CW is offering up Legends of Tomorrow again. Season 2 premieres on October 13th. And although Dave and I have already talked about our not loving this show on this podcast, this is not necessarily the majority opinion. So uh, I think there's a lot of people that have enjoyed Legends of Tomorrow, and it's got some new directions that it's going to be taking, including the addition of a character, Vixen who's from the 40s, bringing, you know, sort of a different set of sensibilities to the show.
2: And we're also supposed to see The Legion
1: of Doom. Oh, right. So that's something that could maybe steer it back towards a comics feel, because, of course, you know, centering it around the time masters and all that could be something that for you and I maybe turned us off. But certainly the comics, television viewers really do like to see their familiar faces from the comics in the show.
2: Yeah, and as I've said, I just really felt from the start, and I gave this show a shot, I watched the first six episodes, that I felt like it was a bunch of, and I I know I'm going to be making somebody angry out there when I call them second-rate superheroes, and I thought with Arthur Darville at the helm after Doctor Who, his character as the minister in Broadchurch, I loved them both, He's just really been flat for me in this show, and I just can't see going back.
1: Yeah, I guess the expectations were high for him. So you can't help but be disappointed if it doesn't work out the way you want. But we have other shows that we can maybe check out, and one of them is on NBC. The Kristen Bell vehicle, The Good Place. Now, this is an interesting one, and whether or not it will stick to a genre feel or not will be interesting to see. It premieres on September 19th and then will continue in its regular time slot on September 22nd. It's got not only Kristen Bell, but Ted Danson, the introduction of the afterlife where Kristen Bell is just learning the ropes and, you know, it's got a comedy to it and a fantasy element that maybe will lend itself well to Kristen Bell's comedic styles. Cause she obviously, did really well with veronica mars in that kind of character
2: right and i know what i said about comedy but i just love Kristen bell so i'm (laughs) gonna check this one out she's killed in this show at the beginning she finds herself in the afterlife she's told she's in the and i'm making air quotes good place because of the things she did in life only to realize that apparently they think she's somebody else and maybe she's not supposed to be in the Good place.
1: Oh, I didn't know that. I like it. (laughs) But yeah, that's one that maybe Dave and I will both be checking out, even though it's not traditional genre fare. And NBC, I'm always a little bit wary (laughs) of NBC offering things up like that, but we'll give it a chance. And the other new one that I have to mention, because it snuck up on me and I really am looking forward to it once I've heard the premise, it's on the USA Network and that's Falling Water. It premieres on October 13th. And we're going to try and get someone from the show on the podcast from this one. I've been in touch with some of the people behind the scenes, but they're still in production. So I'm hoping we get someone to, to talk to us. But basically the premise is three strangers realize they are dreaming parts of the same dream. And as they delve deeper into the meaning behind this connection that they have, it sort of reminds me of Sensate in a way, they realize that the implications are much larger than... You know, just their personal lives and the fates that they have determined for themselves. And the entire world, the future of the entire world lies in their hands based on these dreams, I guess. So falling water, I don't know. Is that an oblique reference to the uh house in Pennsylvania with the <laughs> the architectural wonder? Frank Lloyd Wright. Yeah, there you yeah. go. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But that's definitely one I'm gonna check out. And of course you you can't forget the juggernaut that is supernatural at 9 o'clock, which is a new time slot, by the way, on October 13th, season 12 of all things.
2: Well, I mean, we have to wonder, is this it for Sam and Dean as they approach their 300th episode? I mean, uh, things I've read have said that this is it, but they've said that before. Exactly. So you never know with them. I I guess you throw enough bags of money at people, they'll
1: (laughs) keep coming back. Exactly. And this is something that's got such a huge cult following and, you know, the ratings have always been in the right range, certainly, for CW and for Genre Fair. So why not keep cranking it out if it's still pleasing the fans? So Thursday night is an interesting night. Definitely going to give Falling Water a try. And I'll give The Good Place a few episodes as well.
2: Well, for me, obviously, you know, it's just going to be The Good Place. All right. So now Friday. And ironically, they used to refer to the Friday night death slot. Right. But that's not necessarily true any longer because of the DVR. We've got two returning shows and three new series. So, of course, a mini juggernaut, The Vampire Diaries. Who would have thought when this show started eight seasons ago that
1: they'd put out 171 episodes? Oh, my goodness. So how many are in each season for this one?
2: You know, I think it varies, but I think it's around, you know, maybe 15, I think, to 18. Yeah,
1: I thought it was like an odd number, not not one of the normal 13 episodes or 10 episodes.
2: Right, and this season, their, their final is going to have 16 episodes. So, you know, I did the pilot when uh, Wayne and I looked at it, though probably three years ago, and it was enjoyable. I mean, it's vampires, attractive
1: people, the CW. Come on, there's an audience for that. <laughs> yeah, it's true, and season eight... I mean, you're right. I feel like it didn't start that long ago, but here we are.
2: Yep. Now, the other returning show is Z Nation. And you mentioned the interview with the guy that does the music is coming up. And they're coming back for season three, which by the time you listen to this podcast, it should have aired. And even though I'm not a zombie guy, Wayne is. He assures me this is a really good show. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com achieve today. Joe, so I'm going to take his word for it. But if you haven't seen it, it follows a team that's tasked with transporting the lone survivor of a plague across the country with the hopes of creating a cure.
1: Yeah and you're going to be talking about another Friday show that has something similar in it as well which we talked about last month as well but yeah this is a cool one because they just got to the end of season 2 and finished their cross country journey so I'm thinking that season 3 is going to have quite a different flavor to it right now the
2: show you you just referred to is of course Van Helsing which is on Sci-Fi it premieres September 23rd with a double episode but it Actually, the pilot aired back in July, I believe July 31st. So I already covered it for Den of Geek in a written review. They're going to re-air the pilot and run the second episode right behind it. If you didn't see it, I really enjoyed it. I know it's zombies or vampires or it's kind of a combination of both. But along the lines of Winona Earp, The protagonist is a relative of a well-known fictional character, in this case, of course, Van Helsing. So if you like reluctant hero storylines, Vanessa Helsing appears to fill the bill early on as she battles the vampire apocalypse. But there's a cool twist
1: that I won't reveal to you at this point. Exactly. And it's definitely received some mixed reception from the people who did get to see that early premiere. So I'm hoping this show finds its audience and people enjoy it. I'm definitely going to give it a try. And you know why Dave and I are checking it out because Simon Barry is behind it and and a lot of the writers from Continuum. So we're on board just from that alone. But what else we got? All right. Sometimes you have to ask yourself, what
2: the heck are the network executives thinking? I don't know what the people at Fox are thinking when they decide that it's a good idea to make The Exorcist into a weekly tv show it premieres september 23rd and i just don't know what to say i will say this outcast already completed its first season and it already has the exorcism thing covered on cinemax right on cinemax so i'm just going to leave it at that i have absolutely no interest in watching the exorcist
1: yep me either (laughs) well now you've got one here on the list i have to say that how is this genre? You've got MacGyver, the reboot, on our list. <laughs> well,
2: I do have it on our list. And I think maybe because of a little bit of, when I say future tech, you know, maybe not that far into the future, just maybe cool tech that most people don't have access to. It maybe isn't genre, but I put it <laughs> on here anyway. But this is a CBS show. It's going to premiere September 23rd. And it's really risky, I think, to reboot such an iconic character and show. The original went seven seasons. Obviously, then we know Richard Dean Anderson went on to do, well, he did the first eight seasons of Stargate SG-1. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I'm going to give it a shot. It's secret U.S. government organization, which, okay, I, I like where they're going there. And he uses his extraordinary talents for problem-solving, extensive knowledge of science to save lives, and we'll, we'll see where it goes.
1: Okay, so I take it that you're going to give that one a try? I'm going to give that one a try, and of course, Van Helsing. Okay, yep. The Van Helsing is the only one on Friday nights that I'm going to try, but obviously our docket is filling up here quite quickly. <laughs> so there's probably not going to be as many on the list after week three or four of some of these shows as there were at the start. <laughs> But let's go into the weekend now. There's a couple shows on Saturday. Did you say, I think it was one of of your other podcasts, that the big night for genre television was Sunday? Is that right?
2: I did say that.
1: So I guess coming up, we're going to have a longer (laughs) list. We are. Saturday only has two that we could find, and one of them I'm definitely looking forward to, and that's Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, which will be premiering on October 22nd. Now, BBC America is doing this one. The original Dirk gently that the BBC put out went for one, I think one or two seasons, but at least one season. So this is a completely different take on it. It's a time traveling detective with a sidekick. You know, that means Dave and I are on board. And of course it's from the author of hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy, Douglas Adams. And so really anything with that pedigree is going to be something that could make good entertainment, but time travel always is a good formula. And in this case, it's a proven sci-fi great. So I'm definitely looking forward to that one.
2: Right. And the only thing that's going to prevent me from watching it initially will be that Saturday night is usually my catch-up night from the week. So I'm (laughs) going to watch it. It just may not be in a
1: timely fashion. Right. And in fact, the only other one we could find for Saturday was Star Wars Rebels. On Disney XD. And so the third season of that is premiering on September 24th. Now, I think this is the one that's going to stick Admiral Thrawn in for the first time, which is a character from the Timothy Zahn novels. So maybe our friends over at Star Wars Blaster Cannon can fill us in on that. But that one's premiering on September 24th. And of course, that's an animated series.
2: All right. Well, let's get to Sunday, which is the big night. And the first show on our list is, of course, ABC's Once Upon a Time which is coming back for season six. I really enjoyed this for a season and a half. The Peter Pan storyline caused me to leave, and I heard that I should have come back three or four episodes after that, that it got good again, and I've heard nothing but good about it. Robert Carlyle, who now I'm digging in Stargate Universe, is outstanding in Once Upon a Time. So, you know, maybe someday. I just don't have the time right now and it premieres September 25th. All right. Now, Ash versus the Evil Dead on Stars comes back for season 2, October 2nd. Bruce Campbell as Ash Williams, Lucy Lawless as Ruby in a tale told 30 years after the events of the three films. Ash is now working in retail, still missing a hand when he comes out of retirement to
1: fight evil once again. And our friend Jamie
2: does a podcast of this on his second course network.
1: Yeah. So this is one that has made it past its initial season. I think it definitely has some staying power because it does have a following. So yeah, it's interesting that this is a half an hour show, right? But stars is really starting to build a nice little library here because stars also of course has outlander. So and and a couple other great genre offerings as well. So it really is starting to enter the awareness of the genre fan. Now, November 20th seems
2: like a long time away, and it is. But the librarians on TNT is coming back for season three. We're going to see more of Noah Wiley's Flynn Carson this season, now that Falling Skies has ended. And according to everything I've read, he's going to take a much more active role writing as well as directing and acting. So that, that's really something I'm looking forward to. Obviously, Wayne and I are just beginning to podcast season two on Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. And it's just a fun show. It's one of those shows that you can show it to your kids. I mean, I don't want to say no matter their age, because there, there probably is a lower end that maybe it's a little too scary for. But it's a family show, and it does not insult the intelligence of adults.
1: Yeah, and if, I mentioned at the top of the show that I'm just starting out with the show. So you're telling me that because of Falling Skies, Noah Wiley is not in it that much initially and now he's going to be more in it? That's correct. Oh, okay, that's cool. And are you going to be covering season 3 as well when you Well, when you that's get to the
2: it? yeah, that's the plan. So so we're going to try to squeeze in season 2 and then pick up season 3 when it airs, you know, concurrent. So we'll see. com. <laughs> yep. So, all right, now, I don't know exactly what to make of Son of Zorn, a new fox <laughs> offering that has already aired by the time you're you're listening to this. It's live action and animated, so it's already got one strike against
1: it as far as I'm concerned. well, now, take a look at the review on Den of Geek
2: because I
0: saw it
1: it, it it's been well received, I think I know that. It's definitely going to have a following of sorts, because, of course, you know, there are people who are fans of animated series like Archer, Family Guy, things like that, that are going to tune into this one. I know. And, you know, hey, I'm a South Park guy, so so I like
2: I like my animation. Uh, 13 episodes. An animated warrior returns to Southern California to reunite with his live action wife (laughs) and son. And I'll just say you can't make this stuff up, so so we'll see. But, you know, I I think you are probably more correct than I am in how this is going to be received. And you know what? It may turn out to just be a really fun show.
1: That we're not watching.
2: (laughs) Well, we'll see. All right. Also on Sunday, Season 7, October 23rd, The Walking Dead on AMC. I don't know what else we need to say other than it's coming back after that shocking Season six finale death that sparked fan outrage, which prompted the showrunner to issue a series of apologies,
1: thereby cementing the fact that I will never watch this show. <laughs> exactly right. It's not a show that Dave and I have been following and probably never will, but that's okay. I know it has a huge following out there in general. And regardless of how the finale death was treated, Negan or Negan, or you know, however you pronounce it. We're obviously not aficionados, but that's definitely going to bring legions of Walking Dead fans back with bated breath for the season seven premiere. Right. And
2: those who watch it talk of the depth of the characters, how they transform during this zombie apocalypse. And, and you look, they're people whose opinions we trust. It's just not for us.
1: That's right. So, something to look forward to for you, Walking Dead fans.
2: Right. Now, what. Is for us, is HBO's new series premiering October 2nd, Westworld. And I think there's been more buzz about this show than any that I can really remember.
1: Well, I think they're trying to create a library also on HBO that follows the success of their Game of Thrones series. So, genre is big, you know, and and that's why Starz is doing it. And obviously, CW has already established itself with the genre. So, you know, I think we're definitely going in the right direction, and I'm so excited to see Westworld showing up as another movie reboot of sorts, but of course it's really got its own thing.
2: Well, right, and you know me, I try to stay away from all spoilers, so I know there are a ton of trailers out there, I've not seen any of them, there are a, a number of articles out there, I'm not reading them, but I do know that it appears to be a reboot in name only, And that they're really just using it as a jumping off point, which I love because, you know, while the movie explored some interesting areas, that was 1973. So it's going to be interesting what they do now, 33 years later.
1: Oh, yeah. And the focus has definitely changed. I won't spoil it for you. But, yeah, they basically took a lot of elements that were inspired by the movie and put their own twist on it. So, yeah, I think saying it's a reboot name only is a good way to put it. Or make that 43 years later. I'm an English teacher
2: sometimes. <laughs> Not a math teacher. <laughs> All right. Now, The Strain comes back for season three on FX, August 28th. So it's already aired several episodes. And I know Carlton Cuse is the showrunner, and I deeply respect him. He's had a guiding hand from the beginning. But virus gone amuck, turning people into vampires just doesn't do it for me.
1: Yeah, I watched season one and very much enjoyed it, but I wasn't keen to continue my journey after that. But I'm definitely glad to see that it got a season three and has had a chance to tell its different stories beyond just the battling the vampire apocalypse type thing. You know, it was it was kind of a slow burn where people didn't even believe it was really happening at first. So you don't often get to see the apocalypse at its very beginning it's usually already halfway done, like in The Walking Dead or or now in Van Helsing.
2: Right. Now, the last show on Sunday night is, again, the aftermath of a virus which wipes out the human race. But The Last Man on Earth, which is a Fox offering, which premieres September 25th, season three, is described as a post-apocalyptic comedy. And on the one hand, it tells me everything I need to know to stay
1: away from it, but A lot of people are watching the show. Well, and keep in mind, The Last Man on Earth has now spawned other shows, not only from these same writers. They're doing one of the time travel offerings that we talked about last month. So obviously the success of this show is going to have a lot of networks exploring the idea of a sci-fi comedy. So it might not necessarily be for more hardcore sci-fi fans, but that doesn't mean it's not going to find its own audience that maybe crosses over between comedy fans and sci-fi geeks.
2: Right. And, you know, I I know some of you are probably thinking to yourselves that, you know, Mike and Dave, you're being unduly harsh about some of these comedies. But I think really what we would both like to see is instead of having six or eight
1: of them, do two or three of them and do them really well. Right. Well, I don't think there's too many where they've overstayed their welcome yet. Last Man on Earth being in its third season – is certainly the pioneer of this genre, but definitely have to give it its due and see where it goes and, and then decide later whether or not it fits into the genre fair. Cause we've already now broadened it from sci-fi fantasy and horror to sci-fi fantasy, horror and comics. <laughs> so might be time to add a fifth one there. We have room. <laughs> That's right. Now we want to give mention to a couple streaming premieres that are happening. And one thing I'm really looking forward to, especially in the wake of, such great successes like Eleven, Twenty Two, Sixty Three, and other great genre offerings in in the uh, streaming field. Black Mirror is returning for season three. Now, this has been a long time coming. I think I watched season one and two back to back, binge watched it, and that was quite a while ago. So it's been a while since season two ended, but we're finally getting it back on Netflix uh on october 21st it wasn't originally a netflix show i believe netflix picked it up for its third season so it doesn't originate there but that one i'm really looking forward to of course the man in the high castle returns to amazon we don't know the premiere date for that one but that one's coming luke cage is the big one that people who enjoy the marvel offerings on netflix are really looking forward to uh you've got jessica jones and daredevil and now luke cage This is a new series that begins on September 30th. So that's going to be the one that's coming out the soonest. Right. And of course, we were introduced to his character through Jessica Jones. Exactly. So definitely a much anticipated show. And of course, Stranger Things was another one that just came out this summer. So, you know, you just add more and more to what you can get from the streaming services and definitely have been enjoying it and have to put them in the list because they're definitely putting out some quality stuff. And of course, one thing that I actually heard from a couple of co Dave, that's coming out on Netflix is the redo of Mystery Science Theater 3000. I'm not sure if it's going to look the same as it did on Comedy Central way back when, but that's been something that's been in the works for a long time. I was hearing about it last summer now and it's finally coming. But again, we still don't know the premiere date for that one. Or MST3K for the hardcores out there. <laughs> that's right. And that fits into the genre fair because they often watch genre movies. Oh, yeah. In that one. <laughs> so definitely got a lot of great offerings. We got a full week of shows to watch. We didn't actually talk about which ones we were picking up from Sunday. I think Westworld was the big one for Sunday for us. And the librarians for me. Oh, right. The librarians. But wondering what you guys out there are picking up in this new season and what you're returning to. But. One of the shows that maybe you are returning to that was on that list is the sci-fi show Z Nation. And we were very happy to be able to talk to someone who makes that show a success. And really, the soundtrack is a huge ingredient of Z Nation because it gives it its very unique, lighthearted feel, along with the horror elements that come along with the zombie apocalypse. I mean, it's there's really nothing out there like Z Nation of the various offerings, post-apocalyptic, zombie, vampire, whatever. So uh, definitely a unique show. So we're very fortunate to have another genre TV composer talking with us today. This is our fourth one of these so far on Den of Geek. And we love learning about the process behind creating the soundtracks for our favorite shows. And we had the honor of speaking with composer Jason Gallagher, who scored some of the very popular soundtrack music for Z Nation on Sci-Fi, including its addictive main title theme, Have Mercy, which we talked about extensively in the interview, and other great Guitar heavy tracks that characterize this super fun zombie show. So here's our interview with Jason Gallagher. You missed this one, Dave, but you're with us in spirit. <laughs> so, welcome, Jason.
3: Hey, thanks, Michael. Great to be here.
1: Now, the music you've composed for uh, Z Nation kind of has this road music feel to it, like something that one might have put on a mixtape to go cross-country in in decades past. Would this be an accurate characterization, uh, given what happens in the show?
3: I think so, yeah. I think that's what we talked about from the beginning. It's uh, making it this grimy, gritty kind of road soundtrack that's going to kind of play in the car and and along the way as they as they travel across the country sometimes coming out of citizen z's station up there off his record player sometimes just being the soundtrack so definitely accurate
1: yeah i like how it's sometimes embedded into the actual action of the episode itself um but do you also have something that justifies its old west feel as well
3: Uh, Yeah, a little bit. I think we decided in the first season to, you know, we talked about uh, Neil Young's Dead Man soundtrack a lot, and uh, a little bit about uh, Full Metal Jacket soundtrack, And, and both of those had this, like, ambient, reverb, heavy, but still metal and grinding and gritty kind of sound to it, and I think when you put that electric guitar in there, they they end up being pretty Western sounding, you know, you get that, ah, ah, ah sound. <laughs> from everything's drenched in reverb and, and sounds like it's being grinded against some, some metal tools, you know? So I think that that definitely gets a Western vibe across it with the right instruments.
1: Now season three is set to be a very different season since the survivors at the end of season two, finally reached their West coast destination. So will the music change appreciably because of the change in venue and the circumstances of the group?
3: It's changing a little bit. I think things go a little more off the rails in this season. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's not the, quite the, the tame (laughs) road soundtrack, you know, uh, fighting a few zombies, getting Murphy out West kind of vibe. It is, uh, it definitely uh, it becomes a psychological madhouse, uh, if you will. So yeah, things get a little crazier. I you know I think we're staying in our, our in our genre in our musical palette, but definitely a lot more room for fun, crazier stuff. You know,
1: <laughs> great to hear. Uh, one of the changes I noticed from a video that you have posted on YouTube is, which will be embedded in the article, by the way, for those of you who are listening to the podcast. Uh if you check out on Den of Geek, we have the video there where Jason is talking about the season 3 process and one of them is that you changed the lead singer for Have Mercy. You used to feature your vocals.
3: Yeah, we uh right at the beginning of the producing the season, the couple of producers reached out and said, "Hey, you know, no offense, <laughs> <laughs> you know, everyone loves the the title track and you sound great, but what do you think about getting a mary clayton type singer uh if if you remember mary clayton from gimme shelter Uh rolling stones like that kind of vibe and uh to do the vocal and i said absolutely like first of all i don't you know i i I don't need to be singing on the title track that's fine (laughs) uh second of all it's a chance to work with somebody new and have you know a fun session Recording this cool little twenty-second clip, you know what I mean. So it's not heavy lifting, and so it was great. We totally redid it. We had to bring it up a couple, couple, couple keys for her <laughs> so she can kind of yes. dig into it a little bit. And uh, you know, I think it sounds great. It's the second time we've redone the the theme song, by the way. It's last season for episode seven, I think we did uh, like a bluegrass version of the theme song and it kind of like slid under the radar.
1: Oh, uh, that's right, yeah.
3: Yeah, it was like a little like Mississippi, Southern kind of a...
1: Now this is this actually has been a signature song given not only the uh, mercy killings that characterized the show, mm-hmm. but even things like uh, Kelly McGillis' character being from the Sisters of Mercy. So I really like that whole angle. Uh, but one of the things that I liked about the extended track of Have Mercy is the is it Notar that was on that that
3: Yeah, Mike Notar, yeah, Notar.
1: They did the um it almost sounded like zombie speaking, I want to say.
3: Yeah, he's a great rapper based in New York City. I, I I was on tour with him a few years ago. He signed with Adam Duritz's label from the County Crows. So we were on tour with County Crows a few years back. You can find some videos of that on online. They're pretty hilarious. Uh just a couple of kids running around a, a big stage. But um when I did the extended version i I always thought that it was like this kind of hip hop beat, which is you know was my dream to kind of create that like the mix between rock and hip hop kind of like southern bluesy kind of vibe. so when I created it, I thought, okay Notar's gonna be perfect, I need to get him in. He came right over, wrote it right there, and he had the idea to do the lower octave version, like very close mic and then pump that up so it had that zombie, dark feel to it. So that's all him.
1: That's really cool. Now, you composed music for other shows. Uh, The one that jumped out at me was Criminal Minds. How different is writing for a more mainstream show like that versus the very tongue-in-cheek Z Nation?
3: Uh, Criminal Minds, I think I had a couple songs from my rock project on that show. So it wasn't specifically for that, but... I do know a couple composers that that work in that world, and and we all have, I think, similar experiences, and you know, similar tight deadlines and massive amounts of work to do uh, on our own, <laughs> on our own often. But uh, you know, it's it's fun work, you know, it's it's nice work, so it's it's not that terrible, you know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Now, uh, technically, uh, Zombie Keith Richards didn't die in the tsunami in season one, so. Could... You see, I
3: I keep saying that to the. Pro- I'm like, listen, I'm still alive, guys. Let's bring me back. I was in one episode last season and or first season, and I escaped. So let's. What are, what are we doing here?
1: Now that's in, I mean? that was in Texas, so he had to make it farther west i guess but
3: (laughs) yeah exactly people travel all over the place you get the sketchy and skeezy those two guys end up everywhere you know (laughs) where am i where's where's keith
1: well because that's what i'm wondering too because you talked about how you're you're not offended that they took your vocals off of have mercy but are you the one that's on powerless as well
3: I did, yeah. That's that's an old song of mine. So I I, I kind of redid it. In oh, okay. It, uh, that they wanted. They we they had this Lou Reed song in there as a temp, and you know, obviously it's it's tough to get that song no matter who you are. Like a a, a high profile song. So we often temp in like other bands and other songs, and then find replacements from bands that we know or or up and coming bands, or sometimes all write something. And in that case, I rewrote that song, Powerless, and in the vibe that they wanted it. But yeah, that's me. That's, that's out there. You can find that on, you know, wherever you get music.
1: Well, that's, I mean, that was one of the most distinctive driving type songs I felt like you would have the windows down, (laughs) driving down the highway.
3: They literally were like, it it was supposed to be on that eight track tape in the car. So it was, it was literally a road song. Yeah.
1: So given the involvement that you've had with those vocals and with the Keith Richards nod, I mean, how did you get to be, as a composer, so involved in the making of the show beyond your composing job?
3: It's just because it's a cool show, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's like I was brought into the mix by John Himes, who directed the pilot, and the very first episode, and a bunch of seasons one and two. And he got me, like, the audition, and I, and we went back and forth a little bit, and th- then I got the gig. And when I got the gig, it was Carl who called me, and he said, the showrunner, create, one of the creators, and he called me and he said, hey, we want you to do this show. We also want to see if you want to come up and play guitar in an episode. And it was, like, the same day, same conversation. So I was, like, Wow, like it all, all it's all coming together. My, my acting career is a beginning <laughs> <laughs> and ending, by the way, and uh, and uh, getting the show. So it, I think it's cool. I think it's people are just very open and and you know a lot of the ideas that I bring to the table are honored and and, and respected and like given a shot. And often, like I'll, I'll suggest things and should, that that'll work. You know, like the bluegrass version of the theme song john was directing that episode i said hey man what if we change the theme song and do like do in the genre and he was like all right and then it got by everybody everyone was cool like there was no i didn't even hear a word back they're like yeah great
1: (laughs) (laughs) well it's definitely uh, a big part of the success of the show i have to attribute it to the soundtrack it just fits right in really helps the mood of the show and makes it so the ridiculousness actually has a tempered feel to it and and i just love it so Thanks so much for being a part of this great show.
3: Awesome, man. Thanks so much. That means a lot. Thanks.
1: And uh, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us today about Z Nation and your composing work.
3: Right on, Michael. I had a blast. Thanks so much.
2: Well, look, you know, both of us have music backgrounds and any composer that goes guitar heavy, I'm all in.
1: So, yeah, this is great stuff. And I loved his process that he spoke about. And you really have to check out the article on Den of Geek, the print version of this interview, because it includes an embed from YouTube where he really talks extensively about how he comes up with his music. So definitely a really fun guy to talk to. And we're so happy he chose to join us on our podcast. But that's going to be it for this edition of Sci-Fi Fidelity. We hope you enjoyed our discussion of Fall Genre TV Offerings. You can keep it going all month long by following us on social media. We're on Facebook and Twitter as Sci-Fi Fidelity.
2: And in October, we're not sure yet what we'll be discussing, but it'll clearly be something about the fall TV offerings and how well the shows are progressing through their first few episodes. We'll
1: probably pick, like, two of them, one each, to talk about like we usually do.
2: Exactly. But in the meantime... Be sure to rate and review this podcast wherever you access it. And we're finally, as Michael
1: told you earlier, on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Plus, we do take suggestions for future topics. Just email sci fi fidelity at gmail.com and we'll be back with our discussion topic next month. So, thanks again for listening and we'll see you in October.